Now the choir of the redeemed sing what a powerful name. What a powerful name. Sing it out. Come on, let him hear your voice. Let him hear your voice this morning. Come on, what a powerful name it is. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Oh, what a powerful name. I don't know about anybody else, but I could just soak on that all day. Yeah, what a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Yes, Jesus. What a powerful name it is. The name. Hallelujah. Somebody lift up an ovation of praise to the King that is worthy this morning. Oh, come on. Not your usual hand clap. Let's lift up the name of Jesus. Use that word that he gave us. Jesus, you are worthy. You are worthy, Jesus. No word but holy will do for you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated this morning. Thank our worship team one more time for taking us into the presence of the Lord. Didn't they do an outstanding job? Amen. And amen. I, uh, <clears throat> I don't want to get excited and run on by the moment because as you can tell, I'm, I'm just a little happy this morning. I don't quite know why, Chris, but I'm a little excited. Maybe it's because I hadn't preached in a minute. I don't know. But I, I feel like something is moving and changing in this house. I've felt it for a few weeks and I just, I just, something just feels different today. I just feel like something's changing. I believe the Spirit of God is breaking in on our normalcy and on our comfort zone. And I'm not talking about weird, I'm talking about worshipful. I've seen enough weird, I don't know about you, but I've seen enough weird to last me for the rest of my life. Amen? I've seen people cast demons out of flat tires and pictures hanging on walls and whatever, talking about the devil did this and the devil didn't. No, you just made a dumb decision. <laughs> I've seen people try to give words of wisdom and knowledge and all this stuff, and it, yea, saith the Lord, tomorrow is Monday. I didn't need the Holy Ghost to tell you that. I've seen enough weird, right? I'm not looking for weird, but I am looking for a place in God where I know him and I walk with him and he knows me and I talk with him and he talks with me. And we have a relationship that far supersedes anything that they told me I was supposed to have in this normal Christian life. Amen. My goodness, I know it's Sunday morning. I'm going to try to calm down. I'm sorry. I'll try to, try to straighten up, do Pastor Proud and, and, and back up just a second. But I, I just believe that there is something that God is wanting to do that I, I can't. <laughs> if you know me, you know I don't talk a lot about stuff just to talk. I just got that feeling. I just have that feeling. Something's, Brother Dwayne, I don't know how to describe that. There's just something. I, anyway, I, I want to talk to you this morning. I'm, I'm going to try to move on into my scripture, but I would be remiss if I didn't thank our pastor for the opportunity to preach. Thank you. For being here this morning. I know you didn't have any choice in whether or not I got up here, but I'm glad you came. So <laughs> you hadn't walked out yet, so I'm, I'm thankful. You know, you could have left and you didn't. So thank you. Um, I'm excited about a chance to get to speak to my family this morning. Um, and I'm looking forward to that. So I'm going to jump on in. 
Um, but I wanted to take a minute to say that, let you know that I appreciate you. I appreciate what you've done for me personally. You've accepted, I've only been here three or so years now, but you've accepted me and made me feel like family. And I, I haven't expressed that to you as a church, but I appreciate you. I appreciate the family that we are. And with that being in mind, I, I'm going to tread lightly and gracefully um, in what I say to this house this morning. But at the same time, I, I want to talk on a subject that when I give you my title and I start talking for a second, you, you may get tense for a minute, but just, you know, relax, breathe. It'd be all right, okay? Pastor will be back next week to clean it all up. <laughs> I want to talk to you on this subject. The message title I selected is this, The God I Never Knew. The God that I never knew. See, we, we often talk, I mean, we believe that God is a trinity, amen? There are three beings functioning as one God. I'm not going to run over your head and give you a bunch of Greek words and definitions and bore you for an hour. I hope not anyway. Brother Dwayne's already put me on my clock, let me know that he's watching. So, no, <laughs> just kidding. But we often talk about our good, good father, and we sing songs about the father, and we talk about the father's plans for our life and all that he does. And, and we, we, we've gotten pretty comfortable with using that terminology of father and speaking to him as a father. And I don't know of anyone that claims Christianity that has a problem with, with remembering the son of God that was given for us, gave his own life so that I could be part of the family of God. Amen? I've not met anyone that comes to Christian church and has a problem with remembering the son that is Jesus. Everybody will talk about the father and we'll talk about the son and we will shout all day long and we'll get excited we are quick to remember those members, but I would suggest to us this morning that there is a third person of the Godhead that we have forgotten. We haven't forgotten his name. We've just misused his name, and we've cheapened his existence to that of a force that we have the option to use or not use in our life rather than that of a person that we have the choice and, and the privilege to know. See, this, baby, this ain't Burger King. You don't get to have it your way. And select the member of the God. This isn't the McDonald's kiosk where you choose, you know, Father, Son, no Holy Ghost, yes, Holy Ghost. No. You get all three because he's God. And, and, and this is not something where I get to make the selection. The selection has been made for me, and a friend and a comforter named the Holy Spirit has been selected from my life because Jesus himself said he was sending him and he said this he said it's more advantageous for you that I stop walking on earth as one man and I go back to heaven and sit at the right hand of the father and I send you a comforter that is the Holy Spirit and yet I see a lot of people that are walking through a life with no comfort because we've cheapened our life by cheapening his existence and saying that, well, I don't like all that weird. I don't like that, I don't like that tongues thing. I don't like that prophecy thing. I don't like that healing thing. I don't like this or that. Or I don't like how strange those people that always talk about the Holy Spirit are. They're three in one. And if I deny the gift and the working of the Holy Spirit in my life, it is to deny the Father that chose in His good will to send a son who would then go back home and send me a Holy Spirit. And we'll get into the word in just a second, but I just figured we need to set it up. So I want us to have a discussion this morning because I believe there's a problem in the church world by and large. And if we don't talk about it, nothing's going to change. If we don't address it and we don't educate ourselves on the matter, 
it will stay the same. So we, we've got a world of people now that someone told us what they thought about the Holy Spirit rather than what Scripture said, or, or we saw something in a church service when we were younger and we decided there's no way that's God, that doesn't make sense, that's just strange, I don't like that, that's un, out of control, that's out of order. And now, now we aren't really sure that we want to know Him, right? So let's just get into the Scripture this morning. We, we want to base... Out of, I, I'm going to bounce to a few scriptures, but I want to base out of one particular chapter that you're not going to expect me to base out of to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. But that's where I want to go. I got a several, several points of scripture that we want to go back to just solidify this idea throughout scripture that we have a comforter that is the Holy Spirit. But many people are living their life with a God they've never known. Because the Father, it was His mind, it was his, it was his will, it was His idea, and it was the Son that made it happen that Jesus came down and bought my life. But it is the Holy Spirit that leads me, directs me, and guides me day by day. Amen? He's not just speaking in tongues. He's not the goosebump on the back of your neck. That's not how this works. Amen? He is my friend that walks with me through every day of life. That got serious quick, didn't it? I see people already getting nervous. I'm on live stream, so I shouldn't say it, but I'm going to mess with you anyway just to stir up somebody. Y'all get in that case of tight, honey. You just kind of tucked. I watched you. If you, you got two inches taller, you tucked so tight right now. <laughs> Calm down. Breathe a little bit. Let's talk for a minute, okay? Let me take you to Romans chapter 8. We know this is the chapter that talks about the love of Jesus and the goodness of God and that nothing can separate us from his power. Nothing will separate us from him. We know it is the chapter that has Romans 8, 28, and we know all things work together for good. But I believe that as Paul was writing, you know that he wrote this as a letter, correct? And it was one continuous thought. It wasn't broken up in chapters and verses and all of that. It was one letter. He just wrote a letter to the church in Rome. And as he wrote this letter, he began the same chapter that talks about all things working together for our good and the, and the love of Jesus and the goodness of God, all those things. He wrote that same thought, that same paragraph, began by talking about the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and my life. And I think that we are missing something if we quote about all things working together for good, but we forgot the one that is working them to our good. Amen? So let's look for a second here. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. If you're taking notes, I'm going to throw out several verses, so you may want to pull that iPhone or iPad out. If you're a Samsung user, I suppose the Lord will forgive you and you can, you know, no, I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> anyway, so Romans chapter 8, it says this, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus and do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit. Why would I want to avoid that verse? Have you ever felt condemnation? Have you ever done something wrong and before the Holy Ghost even had time to convict you, you had already been the judge, the jury, the executioner, and you had sentenced your life to damn, doom, and damnation and all this, you know, deflammation and all that. You, you made yourself feel horrible before the Spirit of God ever had a chance to speak on the situation to you. There is therefore now no condemnation. That's how he begins talking about the Holy Spirit. So verse 2. It says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do because it was weak through the flesh, God did it by sending his own son in the likeness of our sinful flesh. 
on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Why? Because he lived sinless, even though he was in the flesh. Verse 4, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the... Thank you. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I see a lot of people with life. I see a lot of people without peace. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit to bring us peace. Because the carnal mind is an enemy against God. It is not subject to the laws of God, nor indeed can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You're probably wondering how I intend to tie this into a message talking about the relevance of the Holy Spirit. Hold on, I may make it work or I may not. You let me know at the end. <laughs> but let's get into it. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for the opportunity to speak to our church family. God, I pray that you would say something to us this morning that would help us, God. Anoint the people's hearts and minds to hear. Anoint my mouth that I would say what you want me to say in Jesus' name. Amen. See, this morning, I, I want us to break an idea that the Holy Spirit is a strange force or some random spiritual gift. All right? I, I want us to get beyond this idea that that's what we're doing. Chris, you can hang close. I may get happy and call you back. No, no, not right now. You're good. But I may get happy and call you back. <laughs> it, it is not a strange force or some random spiritual gift. And that's what we did. We took 1 Corinthians 12, the listing of spiritual gifts, and assumed that that is the Holy Spirit. That is not the Holy Spirit. That is what he does, who he is, and how he can function in our life if we want to let him. But that's not who he is. Let me make something very clear before I offend any of our friends, because I know that we are a, a Pentecostal church and denomination, but we are made up of a body and a family of many who have not come from the same teaching that I did or that you did. or what. We've got a lot of different people with a lot of different beliefs and backgrounds. So I'm not going to rudely and curtly run by this thing and make you think that because you don't think like me, you're ignorant and you don't understand. I just want to look at the Bible for a minute, okay? And this is the idea. Let me make it very clear. The Holy Spirit is not just speaking in tongues. And there's been a lot of people that have made that misrepresentation of him that you need the Holy Ghost. And what they really meant by that is you need to talk in a language you don't understand the same way I talk in a language I don't understand. That's not what it means. That's not who the Holy Spirit is. Do you know that Jesus, before he actually spoke of sending the Holy Spirit, he made no mention of speaking in other tongues? Do you know that he made no mention of supernatural healing? He made no mention of words of wisdom, words of knowledge, any of that. That is not what, the, what Jesus told us when he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. You know what he said? I'm going to send you a comforter. You know what else he said? He said he's going to lead you and guide you and direct you into all truth. Meaning he's going to make known to me things that I don't understand. He's going to help me understand, right? Now, there are many gifts and many ways in which the Holy Spirit does that. But it's not one gift. He is a person. He has a mind. He has a will. He has feelings. Anybody remember Ephesians chapter 4? It says in the scripture there that you should not grieve the Holy Spirit. Right? Everybody remember that? Now, how could I grieve an inanimate object? Right? I can't, I can't grieve that monitor by walking up to it and saying something offensive. 
right? I can't grieve the carpet because I got a little bit of mud on it. I can't, I can't grieve a tree because I chopped it down or it doesn't have feelings. I, I can't cause sorrow and grief in something that has no soul and no emotion. I, I can only do that to a person, and the Holy Spirit is a person. Not only is he a person, but he is a person of the Godhead, the Trinity, the three-part being that is God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And not only is he part of the Godhead, but he is a member of it that we desperately need. See, the disciples were panicked when Jesus was getting ready to, to leave. Do you remember that? They were panicked. They said, Lord, you can't go back. And he said, I've got to go back, and then I'm going to make a way for you to go where I am. And they were all scared, saying, how can I go where you are, and I don't know where you're going? But I don't see as many people panicking about the fact that they're going through life without the Holy Spirit. And Jesus' only comfort to the disciples when he said, I'm leaving, is I'm sending. Amen? The only thing that he said to comfort them when he said, I'm about to go, is also I'm about to give. And how is it that the disciples were terrified at the thought of walking through life without God there with them? And yet we are not experiencing that same fear, worry, or, or complication to our life when we realize that we are walking through the life completely ignoring a member of the Godhead. <coughs> now, I fully recognize my youth as I stand here and speak to you. I'm not trying to tell you I've got all the answers. I'm just looking at a book that does. Amen? I still believe that his word has every answer I need. So I'm talking to the, or from the book here. And this is the thing. We need the person of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and that is according to Scripture. Now, logic would cause a lot of us to begin to say, well, how do you know that he is a person? How, how can you prove that he's not just a feeling? How can you prove it's not just when the, Michelle gets really happy and she sings that good song and I feel the Spirit of God in the room? He's not just that feeling. How can you prove he's not just that when pastor preaches a good message or the band really gets in it, that, that I feel something? How can you prove he's not just that feeling? Firstly, if your experience with the Holy Spirit has been devalued to nothing more than the chill or the feeling that you receive, I just want to inform you, you're living far beneath your privileges. That's not what the Spirit of God is. That's not who he is. Because he's not a what. He is a who. Secondly, Logic is not the basis of argument for, this, for his existence. Relationship is where I base my argument. I don't base it on my logic. I base it on my existence. Because Jesus even said in John 3, you can't see the wind or which way it blows, but you know it's there. Right? Because I see what it does. And I can't see him. I can't tell you where he's at. I go, oh, yeah, the Holy Spirit is right there. I just see it. People that tell me that, they get weird. That's strange. <laughs> That's the weird I'm talking about, okay? That's not the Holy Spirit. That's not what we're looking at this morning. So see, I'm not basing it off of what logic would say. I'm basing it off of what my relationship would say. See, if you have never met Keith Welch, then you might try to come up and convince me that there is no person in existence today named Keith Welch. But I can guarantee you with absolute certainty, there is a Keith Welch. I, I, I can promise you, right? You might try to tell me there's not a Dwayne Culp. You can't tell me that because I know based on relationship that there is. And, and 
This is the reason I can, I can tell you for certainty there is a Pastor Dwayne Culp. The reason I can tell you that is because I've met him, I've talked with him, he's become my friend. And I can guarantee you with absolute certainty that there is a Holy Spirit of God because I have met with him. I have talked with him. He has directed my path many times before. He has brought me comfort when I was worried. He has become my friend. When I do not know who to consult, I consult him. So with that being said, there are three aspects of who the Holy Spirit is and how he works in our lives that I want us to look at this morning. Now, before you get scared and think that I'm going to try to make everybody speak in tongues before we leave here, let's address it one more time. That is not what Scripture says the Holy Spirit or who the Holy Spirit is. Amen? So, we're going to talk about some things. We're going to walk through it. I know where my time is at. I'm keeping an eye on it. I promise. I won't hold you all day. We're Romans chapter 8. Let's look at something real quick. Tyler, give me verses 11 and 12. The Bible says this, But if the Spirit of Him, it's talking about God, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells where? In you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through His Spirit who dwells where? In you. Now, if the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now going to live in me and raise me from dead works and dead living, then I would tell you that the first thing the Holy Spirit does is He will change my walk. He'll change my walk. John chapter 3, verse 3 through 8. If you got that ready for me, throw it up there if you do. John chapter 3, 3 through 8. Look at this. This is Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. He said, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly or certainly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Next verse, Jesus answered, Most certainly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And that's Paul's right there. Salvation is the birth of the Spirit. Next verse. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone, not some who choose, not those who thought they might want it, not those who got interested in it for a while then decided it was weird, but everyone who is to be born of the Spirit will be this way. Now Jesus said three very important things in those few verses. He said, you must be born again. If you're going to be saved, we believe salvation is being born again, correct? And if you're going to be saved, if you're going to experience salvation, it is a new birth. And what he's saying is, you must be born again. Then he said, whoever is born of the Spirit is spirit. And he said, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So in new birth, he does what? The Holy Spirit comes into my life. And he creates something new in me. Paul explained this by saying that the old has passed away. Behold, all things are made new. Not some parts of me, not the most part of me, not the percentage of this or that, this ratio and that. All things are made new. He will change the way I live. He will change the way I walk. So salvation is that the Holy Spirit invades my life with his goodness, with his love, with his conviction 
with his peace. And he creates something new inside of me that was not there before he was there. Then he said something else. Jesus said that everyone or whoever is born of the Spirit is spirit. What does that mean? It means that he makes me like him. If he is spirit, then I get born again. Now I am spirit. What happened? I was lost in sin. I was lost and undone without God or his son. But then love lifted me out of all the darkness, out of the pit, out of the trouble, out of the problem, all of those things that were going on. I used to be one way. Then the Spirit of God came and birthed something new in me. Now I look like Him. He made me like Him. That was salvation. Hmm. Then I become like His analogy of the wind. Because you can't see the Holy Spirit that is with me. But you can tell that He is directing I can't see the Holy Spirit in you, but I can tell if he's leading you. Amen? I, I can't see everything that, that is happening, but I know if it's there and if it's real and if it's right. Just like the wind blows the trees, and I didn't see the wind, but I saw what it did. I can't see the Holy Ghost, but I see what he does. <coughs> Amen? See, we often overlook this. We, we get confused about the feelings and the prophecy and the strange things and something we saw in a bad revival or a bad service one time where somebody got embarrassed or got called out and the word was just whew, way out there, that kind of stuff. People get embarrassed, they get hurt, they get confused because somebody didn't back up and take the time to read the Bible. And if we look at the scripture, the scripture would tell us the Holy Spirit is not just the gift, he is the giver of the gift. Amen? So this is the thing that we're missing, and that's why I took you to John chapter 3, is the Holy Spirit is the agent of salvation. How many in here tonight or this morning believe that you're saved? You're saved, sanctified, filled with all that. No, just kidding. Everybody in here, you believe you're saved, right? Now, how do you believe that happened? Because many of us have this analogy that we just prayed a prayer, and all of a sudden the Father just, hey, you're saved, boom, bam, there it goes got it and we have this really vague understanding of what happened what happened is I prayed to a father who was good and the father looked at the son who was so good that he died for me and he said all right somebody's asking for blood let's apply some blood to this account and he blotted out every one of my transgression and he said now we can't afford for this thing to happen again so let's send that Holy Spirit inside of them and birth something new in them and my salvation was not this mystical experience that I leave and nothing changed. It is that the Holy Spirit is now in me and with me, and he birthed a new creature inside of me. He birthed a new me. I, I'm not the old Caleb, I'm the new Caleb. Because he made me new. Oh, get, don't get me wrong, now don't confuse what I'm telling you, that one of the Trinity is greater than the other, and I'm you know, uh, making this whole thing pneumocentric rather than Christocentric and all those fancy theological terms. No, I'm still centered on Jesus, but Jesus was centered on making sure we knew that the Holy Spirit came to help. Right? What did he say? He said, I only do what the Father tells me. If Jesus said it because the Father told him, so they sent the Spirit, guess who I probably want in my life? So it was the Father's plan, you're right, 
the Father decided to do it. It was in his own good will. Look at Colossians, and it says that he chose it in his own good pleasure. He predestined and all these things. Ephesians 1 says the same thing. It was the Father's plan. It was Jesus who purchased my salvation, but it is the Holy Spirit who performed it in my life. Amen? Galatians chapter 3, 1 through 5. Throw that on the screen real quick. It says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before those or before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Next verse. Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Pause. Are you now being made what? Perfect. The word means completed. It's a finishing work. Salvation wasn't the finished project. Salvation was the starting line. And now I'm running toward a finish line, and there is a helper, an enabler. That word for comforter is parakletos, meaning that he grabs hold of me and lifts me up and walks me to where I'm going. And he said, are you so foolish that you began it in the Spirit, and now you're being made perfect by doing your own thing? The Holy Spirit changes my walk. Next verse. Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Next verse. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the work of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, Paul can get really confusing, jumping back and forth and using his strange language, but this is what he said. In those verses, he declares that every part of my life subsequent to the work of salvation is led by the Holy Spirit. My own choices, my own doing, my own thinking, my own feelings should no further have governance in my life. They are not the governing factor of my life. I don't make decisions based on what I want or where I want to go or what I want to do. I should be making my choices and my decisions based on the guiding of the Holy Spirit inside of me. Amen? So what he really said is if I live right, it's because of the Holy Spirit. And if I work miracles among you, it's because of the Holy Spirit. And whatever I do is going to be led and is going to be supplied by the Holy Spirit. Amen? He changes my walk. Now here's one I know, just hang with me. He changes my talk. Now we could get all day long into what is a cuss word and what is not, and we could debate all these things, and I promise you plenty of people have. I'm not getting there with you today. That's not where we're going. Where we're going is understanding that the work of the Holy Spirit in my life will change the way I talk. Romans 8, 26 through 27 says this. Likewise, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For when we do not know what we ought to pray, next verse, the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. You know what that means? He prays for us. He prays for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You know what that part means? With a language that cannot be understood. With a sound that I cannot discern. That's what it meant. You can go back and study it. You can argue with me, all that stuff. I'm not here to debate you. I'm not here to tell you that you're wrong. That is not my heart. That is not the goal. What I'm telling you is Scripture has plainly offered something to us. And this is what it is. There is a gift. I'm not going to lie to you. We're not going to back down from it. And we're not going to not tell you the truth of what the Word says because we're afraid somebody might disagree with us. We know the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And it's not meant to tell you that you're wrong or what you've been taught your entire life is incorrect. What I'm here to tell you is there is something in Scripture that many people are missing, and it is the working and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. 
And this is part of it. So let, let me, can I just give you an explanation for a second? Have I lost you? Have I bored you completely? Are you okay? All right. There, there are three different ways that speaking in another language, in speaking in tongues, has a work in my life. Now, now there is a prayer language like what's described here in Romans 8. When the Holy Spirit, with words that I can't understand, can pray for me and intercede for me on a situation, in a matter, in, in whatever's going on, he can help me and have a work in my life by praying for me, right? Now, there is also what the Scripture talks about and says that there are divers' tongues. That's a King James word that means different. It means different languages. Now, I'm going... How many have ever heard somebody talk about, well, if it was speaking in tongues, it would be a language that you could understand because in Acts chapter 2, they understood what one another was saying, right? That is this particular gift called different tongues, meaning the Holy Spirit will pray through you, speak through you, something else, and it's in a different language that you don't understand, right? I, never mind. We're not going to get into weird stories and swapping stories. We could do that all day. There's plenty of stuff out there. And then there's a gift where other people will tell you that, well, if it's not a message in tongues and an interpretation that is clearly given where they said this in tongues and then somebody interpreted, it has to be the same length, same number of words. You are confused. Let, let, let me help you. It's sort of like this. Have you ever wondered why, because we've had messages and interpretation in tongues in our service, right? Where somebody speaks a message in tongues and then another interprets. Let, let me give it to you like this. If, if Abby and I are working on something, she'll love that I'm bringing her into this. So don't tell her. She'll figure it out on live stream on her own, though. <laughs> if Abby and I are working on something, and I begin to discuss it, and I say, hey, I need you to get with so-and-so and go tell them this, 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 and this. Now, if you know me when I'm working, I'm pretty direct and to the point. I'm not rude. I'm just saying, like, I, this is what we need. But Abby's really like bubbly and gracious and all of these things that sometimes I'm not as much as I should be. And so I'll tell her, I need you to do this, 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 and this. And then I'll go back and see the text messages where she talked to them. And they talked for 39 texts before they ever said what I needed them to say. What is happening? I needed you to say point one, two, and three. And you said point seven hundred and forty-four. You finally got to what I needed. I needed an answer three hours ago. Because what she says and what I say are two totally different things. We said the same thing, but we got the point across in very different ways. Right? This is what I'm saying. If somebody stands up and speaks a message in tongues, and it's this long, and then somebody else interprets, and it's this long, doesn't mean that it's invalid. It means that it's just the interpretation the Holy Spirit gave them for the way that he chose to relay what was said. That makes sense to everybody? That's, it. That's as plain as I can make it for us this morning. So there, are a prayer, there is a prayer language. There are different kinds of tongues. And there is a gift of tongues and interpretation where the Holy Spirit speaks a message to the body. So I've got to hurry, and I just realized it. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. Tyler, will you throw that up for me real quick? There is a gift of tongues. There is the prayer language. And there is a different kind of tongues that, that all take work and take place in our lives. Here's what we're talking about, though. This, this is what Scripture says. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit, who is a person of the Godhead, knows the will and the mind of God. 
Now, if the scripture told me in Romans 26, or 8, 26, and 27 that the Spirit of God prays for me, why would I not want the person who knows what God wants to pray for me? I know this sounds weird. We're talking about something we don't, but if we don't educate ourselves on it, we'll walk around confused. Why would I not want, let him to, not, not want to let him pray for me? Chris, come help me. Maybe I can wind this thing down better if I got some music. See, now people will tell you that that idea is outdated, that you can't do that, that you're not supposed to do this thing anymore. This whole praying in tongues, that's gone away. That vanished away. It's not a thing anymore. You need to let that go. You're outdated. You're a dinosaur. You don't get this thing. That's not how it's supposed to be. All of this different stuff. It went out with the apostles. It's a doctrine of cessationalism, meaning the doctrine that it all ceased. Now, now, firstly, can I just be frank with us this morning? Let me put it this way. If I can be frank, I can finish in a few minutes. If i got to beat around the bush, we're going to be here a minute. So I'm going to be frank, okay? Firstly, the entire doctrine of that cessationalism is built on one verse that says, if there be prophecies, they will fail. If there be tongues, they will cease. If there be knowledge, it will vanish away. Can I tell you that the Greek word for vanish doesn't even mean disappear. It's a word that means to become completely idle. Y'all, I am walking around this morning with a computer in my pocket that is six inches long, three and a half inches wide, and a half inch deep. It's made of glass and aluminum, and it is faster than the computers that were supposed to be the best in the 80s. Knowledge has not stopped. If they are lumped together and God said, when this one stops, this one will stop, I can't tell you that knowledge is still booming like nobody's business and the other one cut out. It, it's not just how, See, the entire thing is built on that, and it's just not the fact. The entire argument is inadequate and inept to fully discuss what's going on because it's so out of context. And somebody lied to you and told you that you shouldn't have a prayer language because tongues ceased and they forgot to tell you that you also shouldn't drive a car because knowledge is irrelevant and you also shouldn't have air conditioner because all that has gone away and you shouldn't ever believe that the pastor can speak a word into your life because prophecy went away. And they gave you a third of a doctrine and filled you with a lie so that you would stop seeking something and I believe it is the lie of the enemy that wants to keep us from the place that God has called us. Secondly, the argument doesn't make any sense because the other gifts of the Spirit are still active and we still believe in them. Anybody ever ask God to heal you? Now, how can I believe that healing is still in action and tongues passed away? It's hypocritical. It's not even fathomable that God would take one gift and leave the other. That doesn't make sense. That's not how he's operating. And see, why would I believe that tongues passed away, but I'll still ask God to heal? Why would I believe, why would I believe that tongues disappeared, but faith is still here? You ever prayed for God to give you faith to believe for something? Kind of like the guy when he wanted Jesus to heal his son, he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. You know what he really said? God, give me more faith. Why would I believe that God will do the one and not the other? 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that the gifts of the Spirit, that there's a list of them. Now, if I pray for God to give me the gift of faith, but then, then tongues and praying in the Spirit have ceased, I'm contradicting myself. The Bible declares this, 
that, that if you are an earthly father, this is the words of Jesus. It's in red if your Bible does that. The earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to their children. And Jesus said, if you being an earthly father know how to give a good gift, how much more does your heavenly father know to give you the Holy Spirit? If your kid asks you for a bread, you're not going to give them a rock. And if they want a fish, you're not going to give them a steak. Because you're a good parent. And he said, so much better than you is your heavenly father. And he knows that you need the Holy Spirit. And if an earthly father knows, thank God that I have a heavenly father who knows so much better who I need in my life. Why would I pray for healing and believe that he can heal if I still believe this other stuff? But I say that tongues passed away. I got, now, my family's here with me this morning, or at least a good part of them. My, my little sister's here. I, well, you probably remember this. You should have been old enough, but may not. I, I remember a time when she was younger, 10, 11, 12, I don't know. And she was born with all sorts of, of, of dysfunction in her lower back, in her hips, in her feet. She was completely pigeon-toed for the first 10 or 12 years of her life. I remember point blank. I remember where I was standing. I can see it. I know exactly what happened. She was walking through a prayer line. The glory of God hit her life. She fell on her face. Nobody touched her and her feet straightened up. You can't tell me that he'll still heal like that and he won't give us the Holy Ghost to pray. Oh, I remember. Mm. I remember a time. Lord, help me. I hadn't told this story before. I remember a time when my grandmother, she was 85. She fell and broke her hip. Now, I don't know if you know much about that, but when you're 85, that's not exactly the thing you want to do. She broke her hip. She was on blood thinner, so they couldn't do surgery till the next day. When they finally got to her, they had sedated her so severely on morphine and anesthesia that she never did come out of the surgery right. Her hip was fixed, but we couldn't talk to her. She was waking up in the middle of the night calling out for relatives that had been dead for 30 years. And for two weeks we fought that battle thinking that at any minute she would go. And then I remember the evening that we got the call that they said, look, it's bad. The family better get here. She's bleeding out of her nose. She's bleeding out of her mouth. Her eyes are getting blooded. Like, I, this is it. Y'all better go in, say your goodbyes, have a time of prayer, whatever you like to do. You better say goodbye because it's over. Whew. And I remembered as they told us that, and I sat in the room and looked at her dying body. I remembered a story of Elijah who walked into a room with a dead boy, and he stretched himself out across of it, and he said, live. And all of a sudden, the boy's life came back in. So you know what I did? I told my family, I said, I need the room for a minute. And this big old boy got up in that bed with her, stretched out a cross of her, and I began to plead the blood of Jesus and say, you will live and not die. You will live and not die. And I started praying in a language that I didn't understand, and I don't know where she And Oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. And as I began to do that, all of a sudden I set up because I just had that feeling like it settled. And I got up and I walked out of the room. And as I left the room, I went back to the waiting room where the family was. Oh. And see, this is what was so strange. The doctors walked in and said, it's hopeless. They walked out and said, it's hopeless. 
I walked back to the waiting room having hope in the report of the Lord and not the report of the doctor. And all of a sudden, you remember when the, they came back to our waiting room and they started talking about how they didn't know what changed, but they got her stable. They didn't know what's going on, but all of a sudden, I, if I remember correctly, it was only a few days she was sitting back up and having conversation with us. She spoke with me. She knew my name. She knew who I was. She wasn't having all these terrors. She got up and went back home, and she walked on her own for two years. You came by too late to tell me there is a God that doesn't heal. I serve notice on the devil that the gift of healing will flow in the house again. The gift of faith will rise in the people of God once again. And I believe the gift of the prayer language is coming to some people that have never had it. You kind of want it, but you're not sure about it. I believe it's coming. Oh. What changed? They couldn't tell. We asked them, said, well, what changed? Well, it wasn't the medicine. What changed? Wasn't anything they did. What changed? They didn't know, but I had a pretty good idea. You're telling me that you got to have the Holy Spirit so that you can make it to heaven? Baby, I'm telling you, I got to have him to get to the grocery store next week. I ain't got no idea about heaven. I don't know if that's theologically sound or not, but I'm going to tell you, I want him in my life every day of my life. I don't need him sometimes, part of the time. Don't need him when I'm struggling. I need him in my life every day. And I refuse to live beneath my privileges as a child of the Most High God and not walk with Him every day, not talk with Him every day. I will live in the presence of the Lord. He will change my walk, and not only will He change my walk, but He'll change the way I talk. Oh, my. See, there have been many, many times that I had no idea what I was supposed to do, but the Holy Spirit knew. Oh, I like it. I heard one preacher say it like this, and I like it. He said, see, I see down the road, but the Holy Spirit sees around the corner. That's why I want him in my life. I don't want you to pray in tongues or speak in tongues and just... I feel kind of like the Apostle Paul. I don't necessarily pray in tongues more than you all, but he said, I pray in tongues more than you all. And I want you to know how to pray in your understanding, and I want you to know how to pray in the Spirit. And he said, I wish that all of you prayed in other tongues. I'm not telling you that I want you to have the Holy Ghost take you by the mouth and you start babbling in incoherent languages every time you walk on the job site. I'm telling you that I want you to walk in a place of intimacy with God. That when you don't know what to do, there is a language inside of you. There is one that knows the will and the mind and the heart of God that will pray through you for you. My goodness, this is where I like to see. <laughs> Y'all gonna have to forgive me. My voice is leaving, but I'm still happy. So, throw Romans eight twenty eight back up on or twenty six back on the screen, Tyler. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For read this: for we do not know what we should pray as we ought. Stop. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness when we do not know what we ought to pray. Anybody been there? You just you get in that place of prayer and you just start crying. You say, God, I don't, I, what, what could I even say, Jesus? 
What could, your family's falling apart, your marriage is falling apart, the kids are doing this or doing that, the finances are going crazy and you can't make ends meet, or you're, you're needing peace because you're wrestling with depression and anxiety, you've lost your will to live, you lost your will to save the marriage, you lost your will to raise your kids, to work your job, whatever, and you say, God, what, you, what could I even say? What could I pray when I don't know what I ought to pray? There is one who knows what to pray for me. Oh, <laughs> you see that verse? For we do not know what we should pray as we ought. Everybody knows what's coming in two more verses, right? We know all things work together for good. We know that, right? Tyler, roll through them with me real quick. Likewise, the Spirit helps our infirmity or our weakness when we don't know what to pray as we ought. Next verse. The Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered, words that can't be understood. Next verse. Now he who searches the mind and the hearts of... Uh, uh, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Next verse. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Did you see what just happened? Let me help somebody. Go back to verse 26, Tyler. Move with me fast, okay? Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps our weakness, for we do not know. Now go to verse 27. <laughs> but he knows, verse 28, and now we know. Oh, you didn't follow me. Because what it said is that when I don't have any idea what to do, I let the Holy Spirit begin to intercede for me. And I did not know, but then I went to the one who does know, and now I know that all things work together for the good of those that love him and are coming. Oh, if you want the goodness of Jesus, I dare you to stand and lift your hands and welcome the Holy Spirit back in this house and in your life. You don't have to pray in tongues like I pray, but you need him. Here's what I want you to do. I know it's strange. I know I didn't preach what you thought I might ought to preach. But I believe if we'll let the Holy Spirit have his work in our life, he'll change the way I walk. He'll change the way that I talk. And he will change the way I see things. Because I, I came into this thing walking like the old me. But then the Holy Spirit burst something new in me and I started walking more like Him. And then when I started walking more like Him, I got to start talking like Him. And there was a prayer language that came out of me that began to intercede for me when I didn't know what to do. And He gave clarification in some air. Whew. I remember times in my life when I was battling something and I had no idea what to do. It would go on for months and I might wrestle with it and struggle and I'd pray everywhere that I knew how to pray in English. It's, it, nothing changed. I was still fighting it, still wrestling. And I just—I know that you're going to think I'm crazy. I know, I know it's weird, I know. But I just had that nudge that the Holy Spirit just asked me, when are you going to let me pray about it? I promise you, I went into a place of prayer and I began to call on the name of the Lord and I let him begin to pray. And something that had struggled in me and around me and on me for nine months broke in a matter of days. As I got into a place of prayer, because I had no idea what I needed, but 
I did not know, so I went to the one who knows, and now I know that all things work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Mm. Here's what I just feel in my, in my spirit. <laughs> I'm not telling you that you need I'm not trying to force anything on you. I'm not trying to make you believe everything that I believe or the way that I believe it. I just want you to know that there is access for you as a child of God to something that you may be living beneath your privileges on. And maybe you've grown up in Pentecost and Pentecostal churches your whole life, and you've kind of backed away from this idea of letting the Holy Spirit lead you, letting Him pray through you and all these things, because you saw one too many weird people. I'm not talking about weird. I'm talking about walking with Him. I'm talking about talking with him. And I'm talking about seeing things the way that he sees it. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I know it's real generic, and we may pray for some other things and special needs and stuff as we go. But I just want anybody in the room that you want a fresh infilling and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you've never experienced that, and you say, I didn't know about it like that, but now I kind of want that. I don't want weird, but I want that. I don't want to be strange. I don't want to be crazy, but I kind of want that. If that's you, I'm just step out of your seat right now. Make your way to the altar. The team's going to sing. We're going to worship. We may worship for a minute before we lay hands on folks. We may not lay hands on anybody. But if you need that, it's here for you. Come on, just make your way. You, you could have been saved 40 years. I'm not telling you you got sin in your life. I'm telling you that you need more than what you had when you walked in. Mm. Whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, Come, Lord Jesus, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, come, Lord Jesus, yes, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, come, Lord Jesus, yes, whatever it looks like, if you stayed in your seat, I believe the Holy Spirit's able to minister right where you're at. So I just pray for you right now. Lord, anybody who wants this gift or wants to know more of you needs your peace, needs your comfort, needs your goodness revealed in their life, do it now, Jesus. Let them know and feel the presence of God making his way into their life. Let them know and experience your goodness, Lord, touching them and reaching out to them, God. For everyone in this altar who just needs more, who wants more, who wants something they've never had, God, I pray that you pour out a freshness of the Holy Spirit on their life in this moment. God, pour out more of you in our house. Pour out more of you in our family. Pour out more of you on our job. Pour out more of you in this moment, O oh Holy Ghost. 